0: I'm going to go and pray for our time in the Word, if you'd join me. God, I thank you for the chance to uh, gather this morning, chance to worship your name and uh, to lift you up, God, just the chance to be here together as a family. and We pray for this time as we look at Scripture, um, that you would just challenge our hearts and encourage us with your truth and um, just show us, uh, show us who we are, show us who you are, God, and draw us nearer to you. Um, God, this day we, we remember... Um, in Memorial Day weekend, remember many people that have given their lives uh, for our country, and uh, we just honor their families now, and, and thank you for sacrifices that they made for things that are bigger than themselves. And, and Lord, we pray that we would have such vision in our own lives, um, to lay down that which is comfortable for that which is better, and uh, God, we pray that as we look at your word this morning, that we would have that even in an eternal sense. Um, that we just be clinging to you, our great Father in heaven. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, I'm not sure if the slides will work with it, so don't worry about it. I'm just going to skip them. There weren't many that I need. (laughs) All right, so so we're in Deuteronomy chapter 8, and as you know, Uh, most of Deuteronomy is a, or all of Deuteronomy, is a retelling of the law. It's literally the second law, that's what Deuteronomy means. And and at this point, Moses is speaking to the people of Israel right before they go into the land and recounting what has happened and what the Lord has commanded about their time when they go into the land of Israel. And so um, if you remember from our study so far, Uh, they have been in 40 years of wandering because the first generation that came out of Egypt got to the edge of the land and was there and the Lord was saying, hey, here's the land for you to go into and they went and checked it out and, and 10 out of 12 of the spies that went in to check out the land said, those guys are too big, we can't do it. And so the result was that the Lord said, because you have rejected this, Um, you're going to wander for 40 years. And you might remember that when the Lord said that, told them that, okay, you're going to wander for 40 years, they suddenly had a change of heart and decided to attempt to go in and take the land themselves and were soundly defeated, turned away uh, again and, and had to submit then to what the Lord had said would happen for them to wander for 40 years in the desert. So that's our context still, and, and as, as uh, Moses records the Lord's words to Israel, he over and over and over again is telling us to remember the commandments of the Lord and to do them. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your might, and to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. And so in Deuteronomy 8, that, that emphasis, that undercurrent is still here. And the cool thing about uh, the Lord is that he's faithful to the promises that he has made to us, even when we're not. And so this you know, concept here of, of the people of Israel, they're, they're right before the land, they reject what God has given them, and then they attempt to go in and take it themselves, right? That's the, that's the background. That was a failure, Right? That was an absolute, complete failure. Failure to listen to God in the first case, and then failure to take things into your own hands in the second case. And, and you look at God's perspective, and he's like, I mean, he could have just like said, all right, good luck with life. You're, I'm all set with you. you and go find some other people. I mean, like, there's a lot of things that God could have done that he didn't do. Because God was much more concerned about the people that he had chosen than what the people had done. came across this really uh, good quote about kind of walking through failure, and, uh, and from the uh, from well-known author, Zig Ziglar, motivator, he says, Remember that failure is an event, not a person. Failure is an event not a person. A lot of times when we fail, we take that in on as our, on as our identity. And say say, I've messed up and there's no hope. That's not what failure is. Failure is something that happens. Just like for the people of Israel, they, they came to the edge of the land, they didn't listen to God, that was a mistake, they tried to do it on their own, that was a failure. Did God reject them? No. He cared for them still. Because they're his people that he's chosen. They're not defined by this single event. They're defined by whose people they are. They're God's people. And so in this passage today in chapter 8, as we'll see, um, there's a couple of things that he's encouraging the people in. First, to remember the Lord is the one who led you through the wilderness. Yeah, you failed, right? You you messed up. You tried to do it on your own. Even when God said, you know, you're going to wander for 40 years, you tried to do it on your own again. Yet still, God was with them. He didn't leave them when He sent them into the wilderness, He went with them into the wilderness. Remember that He was with you in the wilderness. And second, uh, don't forget that it's the Lord's power that's been at work this whole time. These two things are seen throughout chapter 8 as we go through it. So chapter 8, verses 1 to 10, says this, The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do. And I'm sorry that you're going to hear this statement over and over and over again, be careful to do the commandment. Listen to the commandment. Don't forget the commandments that I'm giving you. God is giving them a, a, a very big why. They ought to follow these commandments, though. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandment or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart, as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in His ways and by fearing Him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper." And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the land, the good land he has given to you. What happened after the people of Israel failed to take what God had given them? I mean, think about what they'd gone through up until that point. We've gone over it over and over again, right? Through the Red Sea up to the fiery mountain, tablets of stone given to them, a, a golden calf that they made burnt to dust, you know, like uh, water coming out of a rock, all these things they had been through and they walked away from it. God could have done whatever he wanted at that point. He he's, has the authority to do whatever he wants at that point. He didn't leave them. He brought them out, he said, sees that they reject this, sees that they try and do it on their own, cares for their heart. Yeah, they had to go into the wilderness 40 years, but God is with them in that time. Even in the wilderness, which seems like a punishment, seems like suffering, seems like brokenness, God is with them in the midst of that whole time. Listen to his description of what the wilderness was like. God led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Again, He was with them the entire day. He didn't leave them. Yeah, they rejected His plan, but He didn't leave them. Sometimes we think when we've wronged God, He doesn't want to be near us at all. It's just not true. He loves the whole world and is chasing us with all that He is that we might know His love for us. He's with them the entire 40 years they're in the wilderness. He fed them all 40 years. He continued to drop manna from heaven. They didn't harvest it. They didn't plant it. They didn't find it on trees. The Lord gave it to them from heaven for 40 years. He's with them. He did this to show them something spiritual, like we talked about on Thursday night. This is a a spiritual lesson that they were learning. This wasn't just a physical provision. This is God saying, I am going to provide for you. You don't even have to worry about getting food because I will get you the food you need. And the food you actually need is is even greater than this food. It says it right there in verse 3, he gave them this food from heaven that we might know, that they might know man doesn't live on bread alone, but by the word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The word that came from the mouth of the Lord is that God is your provider. God is your father. God is the one that cares for you and loves you. And he will give you everything that you need in the moment that you need it. Yeah, walking in the wilderness, not fun. You know, you definitely like to be in the land where you want to be. But God is no less with them in this time. Verse 4, your clothing didn't wear out on you. For 40 years. We've looked around our wardrobe recently and realized we hadn't updated much of it since we got married, which is 15 years ago. Um, Clothes don't last that long. They get kind of dingy and, and, you know, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they made them better back then. I don't know. Anyway, Um, their clothes didn't wore out for 40 years of wandering around in the desert. God is with them. Their feet did not swell, verse 4. Your foot did not swell these 40 years. I mean, I don't do a lot of walking thanks to a car, but walking for 40 years around, all right, God, we're walking again? Feet didn't swell. It wasn't fun, but but God was with them. Verse 5, we, we know it wasn't, Just like comfort because God acknowledges it right here. Know then in your heart that a man disciplines his son. As a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. The wilderness was discipline, it it truly was. It wasn't something that they were like getting to be joyful about wandering around for 40 years. But even in discipline, in discipline, we're demonstrating love, we aren't demonstrating judgment. We're teaching, we're training a heart up to know what is true. Is the stove hot? Yeah, the stove's hot. If you're not at an age that you can understand that, I'm going to have to discipline you if you touch the oven. I don't want your hand to burn off. That is the truth, right? And so to communicate that truth before you can find it out yourself, I'm going to try and help you not burn your hand off. The Same way with the Lord. He's disciplining your heart is not ready to go in on your own. It is clear. And so it's to show them that the man doesn't live on bread alone, that the clothes they wear have been provided by for the Lord, but the bodies they wear, that they have have been provided by the Lord. God says, yeah, we're going to go walk for 40 years. This generation, it's going to pass away But I'm going to teach you some things, and hopefully those things will be passed down to your children who will enter this land. Why did God discipline them this way? Verse 3, it says, or verse 2, it says, He led you in these, in the wilderness for 40 years, that He might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether or not you would keep His commands or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you manna. He allowed this to happen in their lives so that they would know where their help comes from. They had rejected what God had provided for them, and God still loved them with all that he is. And so he's, gonna, he's saying, okay, I need you to see every single day that I am the one that provides for you. And so now we're going to walk around for 40 years. And so, yeah, hunger happened. It's not that hunger didn't happen. They got to a hungry spot, right? Probably every day. And then every day, God says, here's enough for you. God shaping and molding their hearts at every turn. Verse 7, he says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, fountains of springs, flowing out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, vines, fig trees, and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat without bread without scarcity, in which you lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and whose hills you can dig copper. You shall eat and be full and bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. They weren't ready when they came to the land the first time. This generation wasn't ready to receive this from the Lord. When they didn't follow the Lord, they tried to do it on their own. And in that moment, God knew, your heart is not ready for this. You're not ready to acknowledge that I'm the one that brought you out of Egypt. I'm the one that's giving this land to you. It's not about your strength. It's about what I've done for you on your behalf. And so he drew them out to humble them, to humble this generation and test the generation that would rise up that they might know the Lord's care for them every single day of their life. So remember, the Lord is the one who leads us in the wilderness. Find yourself in a place that feels like a wilderness. God's not far from you. God is with you. God is right beside you, providing exactly what you need in that moment. Remember him and cling to him. Look for manna around you and clothes not wearing out and feet not swelling. God has you there to show you himself. Remember the Lord in the wilderness. Verses 11 to twenty turn to a warning to the people to around the same lines, but uh, to uh, encourage them not to forget this generation that's about to go in, to not forget that it's the Lord that did this. The whole thing that you're about to receive. Do not forget that the Lord is the one that accomplished this. Verses 11 to 20. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. The, the challenge is, or the, the risk is, as they go into this promised land, that, that what they come into, while they come into it, they will forget that the Lord's commandments are good for them, and they'll instead be caught away by the things that they see in this land. Okay, so he's saying, do not forget, do not show me that you have forgot me by not doing my commands once you come into the land. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built houses and live in them, when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through great and terrifying wilderness." With its fiery uh, serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock? Who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do good in the end, to do you good in the end? Beware, lest you say in your heart, that my power and the might of my hands have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God; it is He who gives you power to get wealth. That he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Don't forget the Lord. Don't forget how you got where you are. As we talked about maybe last week or the week before, it's, it's uh, human pride that accomplishes things and attributes them just completely to ourselves. Outside even the faith world, just in the general world, we do this all the time. If we're humble, we'll recognize that which has come before us, and ultimately, we'll recognize that God has come before us. <clears throat> There's a really good quote by Isaac Newton, the famous quote that says, If I have seen further than others, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. Isaac Newton recognized that all his scientific discoveries and all the things that he had learned and all the knowledge that he had gained was not just inside of him. It was rather him standing on that which others had already achieved. That is wise. That is a wise statement from a man that has seen lots of knowledge, smarter than probably all of us. Sorry, John. I know. Even even yeah, I know. You should probably stand on the shoulders of him, right? Oh yeah. Yeah watches. Mm. (laughs) The Lord is the one that led them out of Egypt. The Lord is the one that gives them even power to gain wealth. So easy it is for us to go day by day earning our wage, and, and yeah, feeling proud that we did that, and okay, that was mine. Who gave you muscles? Who gave you bones? Who gave you brains? Did you form them yourself? The Lord is warning and um, admonishing the people of Israel that they would not forget how they got where they are. God led them out of the most powerful nation in the world through deserts and and hunger, through failures, and brought them to the promised land. And so God says, when you're in the land and you're building these great houses, be careful that you take pride in what you have done and say, I have done this without acknowledging what God has done for you and how God has provided for you. The Lord's the one that, led you here, and the Lord's the one that gives you even power today to earn what you have. We have uh, this tendency in our hearts, as I look at this, the whole of this passage, we have this tendency in our hearts to be like Israel, um, and we've kind of seen that throughout, obviously, as we've been studying the Old Testament. But it's just as clear here in this text. We have this tendency to hold God accountable for our suffering and give ourselves the credit for all of our success. We can't get away from this sometimes. Whenever things are going wrong, we're like, why, God, why would you do this? But when we whenever we achieve something, it's like, yes, I've done this. Like, well, what, is God not helping you in the success? And do you have no part to play when there's suffering occurring? Not saying God's not in both. Just saying it's pretty dark-hearted of us to attribute the successes to us and the failures to God. And so often that's our heart. Well, I'm in this dark place because God allowed me to be in this dark place, and I have no responsibility for it at all. It's totally God's fault. We get there real quick and so fast, like as soon as you cross the Jordan fast. Like, yeah, I got here on my own. Yeah, this is a big nation. We're a big nation. We are awesome. Nope. God's challenge to us is to see our world just just as Israel struggled through this and God challenged them through this. Today we see our world with with a different point of view. He's challenging us not to see our world where, uh, where our successes are our own and our failures are someone else's. But rather to see the world the way Jesus saw the world. The Lord brought me to this verse that I love this morning. Uh, It's my favorite verse in the Bible, really, uh, Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 2, and I'm going to read down to 4 today. Um, But it's this reminder of what Jesus has done for us and the, the perspective that Jesus has as he serves us, which is absurd in itself. Hebrews 12, 1-4. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And I usually stop there because that's where my favorite verse ends, (sighs) but three and four are really helpful for this context. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Is life going to be easy? No. Are you going to go through the wilderness at times? Yeah, you are. Are you going to have success at times? Yeah, you are. It's going to be very easy for your heart to commend yourself for your successes. That's a lie. It's good to have confidence. That's fine. That's, that's great. It's great to be confident in what you do. It's great to know what you are good at. That's, that's totally fine. But if you don't acknowledge how you've gotten there, who's gone before you, and ultimately who has provided you the strength to do it, then you're listening to a lie. And we have to struggle, we have to fight to resist that. And instead follow someone who came down from heaven to give his life for us that we might have life. Instead of just taking pride in our accomplishments, rather fixing our eyes on Jesus, who put all success aside, all whatever success could be claimed as aside and instead gave himself for us. See, it's sin inside of us that wants to say, I have achieved. Because it ignores what God has done for you. It is also sin inside of us When we go through rough patches in life, we've made mistakes or failures or what have you, and we just sit there and wallow and blame God for where we're at. It's also a lie. It isn't a truth. If we're looking at our situation and saying, well, God, you put me here, so... We haven't resisted in a way that Christ did. Who endured from sinners' hostility against himself so that we might not grow weary or faint hearted? The warning to the people of Israel in this passage is that we have a tendency to hold God accountable for suffering and to give ourselves the pat on the back for our successes. And it's a dangerous place to be because both situations do not acknowledge God's power and love and heart for you every single moment of every single day. What that does is is looks at the manna of heaven that God provides for you and looks at the, the feet that are not swollen and the clothes that are not worn out and says, you know what, I don't think God exists. When the truth is he's the one that's pouring out blessing, 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 blessing blessing on the righteous and sinners alike. And so if you take anything from this message, from listening and seeing Israel, resist. Resist the tendency to just build up accomplishments for yourself and not acknowledge where they've come from. Because God is the great provider. He provides our time, our talents, our treasure, our, our bodies, our families, our communities. He's the one that provides these things for us. Acknowledge Him. And when suffering comes, not if it comes, but when it comes, don't hold God accountable. He's walking you through it. He's with you in it. He feels it deeper than you've ever felt it. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Did Jesus deserve a cross? No. He knows the pain that you go through every single time you go through it. He knows it. From the unrighteous, the righteous was punished. He endured it for a joy that was set before him. The Father wants you to know that he is with you and he loves you in every season whether in the wilderness or in the promised land, God is with you. He is your provider. He is your Father who loves you. And he wants in every circumstance for you to know that, for your heart to know that. So, so whatever situation you find yourself in, don't ask the question, why, God, why did you do this to me? Or pat yourself on the back. But rather ask the question, God, what are you teaching me? How are you growing me? Where can I repent? And where can I give you honor and praise for what is happening? Stop looking at yourself. And rather, fix your eyes on God. Fix your eyes on Jesus. The founder and perfecter of our faith. See how he walked through success and walked through suffering. And there find strength so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. It is the Lord your God who is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, fountains and springs, flowing out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and figs and pomegranates, olive trees and honey, and a land in which there will be no scarcity. You'll lack nothing. You shall eat and be full and bless the Lord your God for the good he has given you. His character has not changed. He's doing the same thing today as he was then. Blessing us and walking with us through difficult circumstance. He is with you. Look to him in every circumstance you're in. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful for your presence with us at all times. Lord, we pray you'd give us Eyes to see what you're doing when we're walking in a wilderness. God, when we're hungry, I pray we'd cry out to you. When we're thirsty, that we'd cry out to you. God, when we're in the wilderness, Lord, we pray we would seek your spiritual food. that we would know our life is not measured by the things we attain, but rather by your great love for us and your presence with us. And God, when we're in the land, when we have plenty, when we are not hungry, we pray the same will be true. We would not think that our life is measured by things that we attain, but rather by your presence. Lord, we trust you. You are God who gives and you're God who takes away. Blessed be your name. In all things, God, I pray that you would be molding our hearts to be more like yours, willing to lay down our lives for those that we love, willing to give up desires of this earth for treasures in heaven. We thank you right now, we thank you for the many blessings that we receive. We thank you for the blessings we receive in this country. We would be foolish not to acknowledge that you have blessed this country with much and declare that we are grateful for it. It would be foolish to declare that we have done it ourselves. It would be the height of ignorance to not acknowledge the sacrifice that has gone before just humanly in this country. And how much more so, God, that you have done for us beyond any human sacrifice, you have sacrificed yourself that we might know you, follow you. So God, we thank you for every blessing you've poured out And pray that we'd use it for your glory and your kingdom. And God, we thank you for seasons of brokenness and pray, Lord, you give us the wisdom to acknowledge our part in it. If there is sin, that we'd acknowledge it and repent and believe in you, and if there is not, we would simply trust you. Like the generation of children who wandered with their parents in the desert, it was not their sin that wandered them in the desert, yet they were ready to inherit the land when it was time. Lord, may we be like them. And, Lord, we thank you for Jesus, who, having everything, gave it all up to suffer at the hand of sinners, that we might know him, that we might be in relationship with you. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.